0: What's up, everybody? The substitution cipher is a type of encryption in which each letter or symbol of your plain text is replaced by another letter or symbol. Um, Examples of substitution ciphers are things like the Caesar cipher or the polyalphabetic cipher, at bash, things like that. Substitution cipher is what people who are just beginning to get into ciphers generally have the easiest time with. The substitution cipher has been used for years, hundreds of years. In fact, in 1657, a man named Ben Ezra Asaph wrote an entire book called "The Subtlety of Witches," and he wrote it in cipher form. And it turns out he just used a simple substitution cipher to uh, to to write it. But for years, this whole book went undecr it went undecrypted. Uh, we had no idea what was. What this book said until a guy named tony gaffney uh came up with a key and then a couple of friends of mine took that key and decrypted the book they wanted to know what this book was was about they wanted to know about the subtlety of witches all right so let's talk about witches
1: yes you guys let's want to talk
0: about witches they're very subtle
1: <laughs> sometimes more subtle than you
0: expect. so at. so we have we have we have Brett with us, but we also have two guests. We have Cat and I'm going to try to pronounce this correctly. Rion, is that close? Rick. Rion, yep. and Cat and Rion have uh, done something kind of amazing. They've taken a book. Well, actually, I'll just let you guys tell the story. What? Uh, first off, how did how did you guys meet?
1: Well, um, originally, a few years ago, I was uh, kind of digging into any information I could find about the Voynich manuscript and uh you know i i have no delusions of being the one who's going to crack it but i just find the whole topic fascinating so i was kind of looking around for some blog posts and you know any any information i could find about that and i ran across a a blog run by uh nick pelling called voyage mysteries i think and he had a list of cipher manuscripts just all all known cipher manuscripts and he talked a little bit about this one that was called The Subtlety of Witches. And that not there wasn't much information about it out there other than it was in the British Library. And I was like, okay, that's an interesting title. And nobody knows anything about this. Nobody knows what it says. You know, that seemed kind of weird because it sounds interesting. I couldn't find a lot of information about it. So, you know, I, I, let's see, I found the blog of a guy named Klaus Schmeck a German guy, uh, Codebreaker. And he had also written a little bit about cipher manuscripts on his blog. And I I emailed him saying, do you know anything about this? Um, and he said, well, actually, I went to the British Library a few years ago and I, I took some pictures of the pages. I can send them to you if you want to take a look. You know, they haven't really been decrypted. And I said, yes, absolutely. And I had a look and I didn't really know what to make of it. Um, and so... I ended up adding with a guy, a professor by the name of Frederick Orchedu, who had gotten in contact with a codebreaker named Tony Gaffney, and Tony had sent him the key. He, he was actually one who broke the cipher. And so sort of through the grapevine, I ended up with a copy of Tony's key. And so I set, I set out to start decrypting it. I got through a couple of pages, and I quickly realized this is in Latin and uh I don't speak Latin and so then I went to Reddit and I I made a post saying you know does anyone can anyone help with this basically and that's how I met Rian uh who you know not only speaks Dutch obviously which some of the manuscript is in um but she also has familiarity with Latin and we started chatting and this is back in like 2019 I believe um she had a plan to yeah. She had a plan to go to London to check it out herself, but then COVID happened and all our plans kind of got waylaid. So we just kind of kept talking about it and talking about it and decrypting. And we I made a a subreddit to discuss it. And um yeah. So then in 2021 we went to London together to meet up and go to the British Library and check it out firsthand and take good pictures of it and um you know just figure out everything we could from being there with it physically and um then we wrote our paper
2: what was that the first time you guys met in person
3: yeah we haven't even video chatted before we just texted and have bet on reddit and
0: i probably should have asked this before but just so people watching know who who the two people we're talking to are um (laughs) <laughs> Brett and I have several heroes in the in the puzzle world, and one of them is Cat. All of the puzzles that we've worked on, Cat's been sort of the lead for those puzzles. She's figured out the most. She's 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 led communities to to solutions. So she's very very good at at puzzles and ciphers and and things like that. But Rian, I don't know much about your history when it comes to when it comes to ciphers. Or, or were you always interested? Is this your first foray?
3: I have dabbled in some cyphers before. Uh, I did a double bachelor in AI and in clinical psychology. So I sideways got involved with solving puzzles that way. And I do speak indeed multiple languages. I don't speak Latin, but I can read it at least. And uh, yeah, I have a fascination for history. So when I saw Kat's post about uh, the manuscript, I was like, "Okay, yeah, I think we can solve this. I do at least speak the two languages that this thing is in." Cool, uh, let's go for it.
2: And so you're so, more of a uh, you're you're are you more into languages
3: than ciphers or kind of? I I'm an academic who does speak multiple languages, as most kids uh, educated in the system I uh, went through do. We have to do four. And then you have electives, and I took two more of those, including Latin.
2: Latin is pretty cool, and it's a good base for everything. It's, I feel
3: it's kind of boring actually because it is very structured. Yes, but at least to you know what you get. Yes, uh,
2: yes, exactly.
3: I I like Latin
2: because, um, well, I I do speak Spanish, um, but I feel like if you take if you peel back a layer and look at what Um, a lot of, you know, uh, modern day languages are based in it. Just there, there's a formula that Latin provides for it, I feel. So it helps, you know, helps doing things like ciphers and decoding things and puzzles a little bit easier to have a little bit of knowledge in it, at least.
0: Yeah. I took, I took, I took Latin in high school and this sounds really impressive, but it's not, I went to a type of medical school and that's the only time Latin's ever helped me because if you understand basics of Latin, you can mm-hmm. look at medical terminology and know exactly what it is. It's easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So anyway, uh what what subreddit was this posted on? Just so was it un- Unresolved Mysteries
1: it, or Unresolved Mysteries, yeah. Yeah, a good old Unresolved Mysteries. Where mystery. all the cool
3: puzzles go. So, yeah, when we uh had Tony's key, we had a a good place to start. And we started decrypting and decoding and transcribing what was in the manuscript. And a couple of pages in, we were like, okay, this looks suspiciously like a dictionary. And now that we've cool. done all 400 pages, it has not changed. It is a dictionary. You guys did and it all is
2: 400 a... pages? Yes, oh, yeah. Oh, my God. How <laughs> long did that take? <laughs> uh,
3: About a year? Yeah, a year, a year and a half.
2: Jeez, it's incredible. If people listening want to see it, where can they see it if they're not on Reddit?
3: We're we're going to quickly uh, publish the complete text. Cool. But uh, we were going to do it before we had this conversation. Um, so, uh, so sometime soon we will publish the full text and make it also available on the subreddit. But we're, yeah, we're going to publish it soon. We're still working uh through the last few mistakes that are ours because there's mistakes in the print there's mistakes in the transcription and the encryption and we made mistakes too so we're filtering okay. ours out
1: and make an annotated and a raw version of the text after after we finish the, the big project of actually decrypting the text then um we've been working on the even bigger project of going through and comparing all the decrypted text to the dictionary that we believe it was sourced from, and figuring out what what wasn't copied, what what the original phrases were, um, more than likely. So that's that's kind of been the the bigger project after the big project.
3: Yeah, and and I have something to add to that too, uh, because the deviations from the source text. Are minimal. There there are tiny phrases and there's not that many of them that are slightly different and there's one inserted bit that is by uh, Lorenzo Fallo and that is about uh, what we would call in English neither nor the grammatical construction of that nedum et non solum and that is inserted into the text and marked and that's the only real deviation And so forth.
0: Well, if I remember correctly in the paper, there were also a couple of um, phrases that were written by the author that weren't in the dictionary. It was just completely original thoughts. One or two.
3: He he or she says at some point, echo Petrus, so I, Peter, read somewhere that, and then goes right back to the source dictionary.
0: But we don't. We're not sure if when he says "I Peter," we're not sure if he's referring to himself or if it's quoting exactly. something else, or or yeah. if okay. he's right. referring
3: to the Peter from the Bible, or what is going on.
0: Okay. All right, we don't know
3: yet. And the book was stamped, so
0: it it, it was titled "The Subtlety of Witches." But I guess we're coming to find out that that title was added later, because it was also dated 1657. But you found out it, it likely was written well before that, correct?
3: Oh, absolutely! That is a big fat lie. Yeah, uh, we we kind of figured from the looks of it alone, the, the handwriting style mainly, that it was 16th and not 17th century. And when we were in London, we took po- photos uh, with a light sheet to figure out if we can find the watermark. And we did. We stitched it together. Get that? And we quickly figured out it was made in France, in Troyes, uh, in in the 1540s to 1572.
0: Wow! And that's just because that's when that specific paper was available. And
3: correct. Wow. And our papermaker was probably caught up uh, in Saint Bartholomew's night and was probably murdered in a raid on his house in 1572 in a paper works not show up after that
0: so was this you said the paper was made in france does that sort of limit the area this book was written in to france or was there a trade not really is this, this paper common
3: this is a, a hard question that you're asking because we're in the middle of the reformation uh-huh. when this paper was made and there was uh, catholic and protestant papermakers and traders the one who made our paper is a Protestant. He <laughs> was a Huguenot. And one of their leaders. Uh, so we know quite a bit about... Because we've read about eight books in medieval French from a contemporary. About his uh, uh, religion and, and the goings-on in Troyes around that. I've been to his house. I have a picture of it. I'll send oh, cool. it to you later. Uh, so... so Paper made in France was traded mainly to Antwerp and to Amsterdam. Maybe to Hamburg, but it was traded from there everywhere else. So what we can tell from this is that it's Western Europe somewhere. The larger clue is in the middle Dutch. That wasn't spoken and still isn't in a large area. It's just Netherlands and Belgium, pretty much.
0: Right, I believe from the paper there was like a, a small time period when that was when that was commonly spoken, and that's sort of kind of what helps you date and 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 place this book in a in a in a geographic area.
3: The the paper okay. and the the language did the heavy lifting. Yes, in
0: in the paper you give a, a sort of brief overview of the dur- during the Reformation the problems between the Protestants and the Catholics, and. I I didn't uh, you, you you said that um it's it's possible that the the dictionary was encoded because of the problems with Protestants and Catholics. Could you expand
3: on that? I didn't. I just didn't understand. <sighs> yeah, it's it's. Um, can I expand on it? I'll try. Um, there is animosity between the two, mm-hmm. and there are excommunications happening, which means you also can't trade in. Any- If you get excommunicated by the Pope, you can't trade with other Catholics because they will then also be excommunicated and not willing to lose their livelihoods usually. So it's not as such an issue with the Reformation itself because it's a dictionary and it was widely available. At that time, it was the main one. Uh, It went so far even that the name of the author, Calopino, became... The brand name for dictionaries during at least 150 years. So, a e colopino is a dictionary. So that that wasn't particularly uh, controversial as such, but people were moving. Uh, people had to flee for uh, the Inquisition, for armies, whatever was going on. There was the 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 French had an internal war. And we, at the eight years, War against the Spanish. So there was a lot of movement of troops also going on. And a lot of animosity and battles. All sorts of nastiness. So people would, would encrypt things. Not necessarily a dictionary, but they would encrypt their communications. And they would hastily leave sometimes. So that's why probably our dictionary is not complete. It stops halfway the letter D.
0: Oh, just so I have that...
3: to find,
2: find, what I have, and go. Wow, wait, it's not even the whole thing.
1: No, uh, no, oh. no, not even close.
2: <laughs> I so some okay. I'm gonna recap so I understand. Massive, it's <laughs> yeah, yeah, like this. You know. Jeez, okay, so so you guys found a um a book, collaborated on it. It was somebody titled it "The Subtlety of Witches," which it's not. It's a it's an actually an absolutely not dictionary. Somebody probably okay. titled it that to give it some to like increase its value or make it seem cool. Way later, like a hundred yes. plus in years in the nineteenth century. Right. Okay. So somebody names it somewhere
3: that. in nine somewhere in eighteen thirty five.
2: The title was added, and somebody like, like, yeah. painstakingly took a calapino dictionary and enciphered it with symbols nonetheless so by That's hand right. cuz there's no typewriters and stuff like yep. that back then right so and 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 only got to d holy crap and it's monstrous <laughs> okay and then so so it's sitting around for centuries then and it's it, it ends up yes. in uh, you said Greenwich Okay, so it ends up. A uh, British Library. Okay, a British Library. British, all right, the British Library. The, okay. uh, where it sits, on, basically nobody knows what it is. Why that? Wow, this is probably about witches, but we don't know what all these symbols are, right? So then you guys uh-huh. get interested in it, and um, Tony Gaffney, uh, somehow got, got got his hands on like pictures of the of the, uh, ciphers. Right. Or, or uh-huh. so he, did he go? The... Did he go see it in person?
3: I have no idea. He is London
1: based and it's free. Yeah, that's true. So he He probably went to go see it in person, but.
2: You guys take you guys go. You guys meet for the first time. You guys go to uh-huh. the library. You guys are allowed access to this book somehow. How did you convince uh-huh. them to let you look at it?
3: It was not hard, actually. That was the only part that wasn't hard. Uh I just emailed the British Library, but hey, we want to see this book. And it wasn't restricted because nobody knew what the bleep it was. Do they do they let you touch it? Yes. No way. Yep. We have pictures of that too, yeah. Like you can turn the pages
2: and stuff? Yes. Oh that yes. Is, yes. So Indiana Jones and like national <laughs> treasure and it's and the reason I'm fascinated is because it's got politics, and it's got the Huguenots, and it's got economics and trade and ciphers oh, and um, religious, religious, and other war. I mean, like this is amazing. It's an amazing story. And so I wanted to recap because it's cool.
3: Oh yeah, fraud and fraud. Don't forget the fraud. Yes. <laughs> and yeah. murder.
2: That dude got murdered. <laughs> yeah
0: the the who history of this book itself is more interesting. I think he was talking about the papermaker oh yeah the paper maker. the history yeah, yeah. of this book the history of the, this book itself is more interesting than the book
3: correct you know? yeah-huh and yeah and yeah uh i I do want to add something about how we know it was done in eighteen thirty five sure because we know exactly when it was sold mm-hmm. it was sold in February of eighteen thirty six by Thomas Rod, who was a well-known bookseller. To the British Library. To Frederick Matt. Who was assistant keeper and later keeper of manuscripts. Wow. We have records of that. Uh, So that is something we know. And we know he was in Belgium. In October in 1835. And in his catalog from 1834. There is no subtlety of witches. We looked through all the pages of his whole inventory for 1834. It's not in there. So he bought it somewhere in 1835 on the mainland and sold it in February of 1836. And he likely added that title. Or the Belgian seller. Well, I am it... not willing to throw him under the bus yet because somebody wanted to increase the value, but it could also be in Belgium.
0: Right. Is it? Is there any other book in his, in his catalog of, of things he purchased that year that, that could <sighs> be just like an unnamed book?
3: You're, no. you're asking another difficult question, because he was involved in a case of fraud with a Shakespeare folio, Boom. but what happened There's at no that point was he had, he had it, he sold it, he went to the British Library and he dropped dead within two hours. So he probably didn't feel all that well at that point in time when he sold that specific folio. Wow. I'm yeah. not willing to accuse him of fraud in that specific case, but there is one other situation where there was known fraud with a book involving this man.
1: So the way that the way the manuscripts were categorized was by size. And this is the other reason that we don't, you know, if it didn't have a title but it was in his catalog somewhere, we would have been able to find it because they're organized by size. And this particular book is the size is it's called Duodecimo which basically means one sheet of folio cut into 12. So it's very small. It's like about that big. And it was uncommon for manuscripts to be that small from what I've seen looking through the catalogs. Um, So we've looked at all his duodecimos that he was selling, and there's really nothing that could have been it. There's no unknown cipher manuscript or anything like that.
0: So the key for this is not very complicated. Um, it's got a, it's got a couple of complicated sections, like the letter S with three, three characters that, that, I mean, that might say three, one's kind of similar.
3: Yeah, but they're not actually coded. That's just how an S looked in medieval and Renaissance handwriting. So
0: how, how long between the time Tony Gaffney created the key? What? How much time was there between that and you guys decoding this book? I'm I'm curious why nobody else just took a shot at taking the key and decoding it. Right.
3: I, I guess they didn't care. We've been alone in this corner forever. We care.
2: I care. I would have done it had I known about this. No, just kidding. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I. I it occurred to me too um it just you know why why nobody had ever taken a shot at this it it just wasn't ever widely you know i think nick and klaus were really the first people to post about it anywhere and they only you know had a couple people engaging on their blog posts specifically about this manuscript so i i emailed every one of them i emailed klaus i emailed nick i emailed everyone in the comments who mentioned it which wasn't that many people You know, thinking someone's got to know something about this thing. But I quickly realized, you know, we were were going to have to do this ourselves. The information just wasn't out there.
3: Yeah, so and we we posted what we had on the Reddit. So if anybody would have wanted to beat us to it, they could have. I'm
2: glad (laughs) they didn't. Totally. (laughs) That's for you guys to do. And what an adventure you went on. Yeah, and it was done so meticulously. Like
0: there, are, I mean, there are questions when it comes to this book, but the, the research has been so meticulous, and we know so much about this, because you guys sort of, instead of just being a fly-by-night, okay, I got the key, I'm going to decrypt this book, you guys put in the time and the effort. You published a paper about it. for God's It's pretty cool. Yeah, and
3: yeah. we presented it. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I do have... Uh, my academic standards, and I did want to do it right. If we were going to do it, it had to be done right. It had to be meticulous, and we had to look at every angle. And we had to consider all the phrases, the l- religious phrases. Cat can tell you about the ending of the book in a second. And we had to consider every single avenue that we had because we had very little information available. See when
2: I when I uh, solve something, I just immediately throw it back right into Reddit so that everybody knows <laughs> that I was the first one to solve it. That time that Reddit <laughs> timestamp is important to me. Paper paper oh, schmaper for me. Um, okay, so what's going on with the end of the book?
1: Uh, yes. Yeah, so um, as Rian mentioned, it's it they get the author gets about halfway through D and then it just stops, and there's actually. I think eighteen blank pages at the end, like it literally just stops. You know, it's not like the author ran out of paper and was like, "Well, this is good enough." But it ends with a phrase that's not from a dictionary, and I'm not going to try to pronounce the Latin. But the translation is, "I attest that Christ was born of the Virgin Mary." That's all. And so, you know, we tried to figure out does this phrase come from something we we couldn't find any match for this phrase in Latin anywhere as far as we can tell like this is the only example that that exact phrase was used we did find a um there's there's a Christmas Carol called gaudete um that's from the mid to late 1500s so that has a similar phrase in the chorus about like Christ was born of the Virgin Mary today or whatever um so it's like, well, what does that mean? Why did the author choose to end it with, with that? You know. And yeah. honestly, we we have a lot of theories, but it's it's hard to really say. I think what we can
3: say is that the author was a Protestant, because there is a divergence in the Reformation about the role of Mary. Is to the Catholics she is a holy person, and to the Protestants she is Christ's mother. Uh-huh. And she's a virgin, and she's revered, but she's not holy anymore. so the missing tiny word of "holy" here is an indication that we are looking at someone with Protestant inclinations yeah, and I'm willing to bet that that is the conclusion here because of the divergence in religion about Mary and her position in the dogma uh, in the dogma and the liturgy.
0: Yeah, that would make sense. Most, most, most Catholic writing that I've ever seen would be modern, but they refer to Mary as the Holy Mother.
3: Holy, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, uh, yeah, I read uh, a whole book in Dutch about <laughs> the Catholic perspective on the Reformation and the position of Mary <laughs> from the 19th century, and it was not fun to read because the person writing it is very dramatic and very angry about the situation but i i did find the answer that i was looking for that this is a process
0: so i have a i have a fun question um so my favorite quote from the paper and i think it's basically everybody's quote from the paper is uh this book is not very subtle and contains very few witches
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah we left that in on purpose when does it when does it mention witches it does occasionally when the source dictionary does there is one okay. quote from cicero about evil women that does get translated which witches sometimes and sometimes it will be translated a little bit differently but translating is making choices so Right. There's a couple of quotes from the Source Dictionary that do say something about magic or evil spirits or evil women. Ever. Occasionally. It's like so, three instances. So what you're saying, it
2: just it just subtly mentions right. witches. So yes. the the, it does. the yes. fraudulent of, yes. title is actually accurate, <laughs> is what you're saying. It's true. <laughs> Find but, the witches. There's a lot of other subtle uh references <laughs> yep. in there too.
3: We can, we can have a discussion about um, the uh, patriarchy in medieval society because the author of the source dictionary is a monk. I see. <laughs> so They have some opinions about women, and the Romans did too. Not necessarily good ones. <laughs> you were saying
0: before that there was a, a there's a there's an idea behind the reason of this book that has to do with anti-semitism is that something you want to get into
3: uh,
1: because it's it's, it's, did, it's
0: it's just such it's, an odd other than other than shock value for selling the book it's just such an odd title
1: so uh what it was just to just explain is that the the title that was written in the front of the books, the subtlety of witches also had an author, was given as Ben Ezra Assef. And we looked extensively for anyone with this name in history or even any rearranged you know, version of the name. Maybe Assef was the first name, Assef Ben Ezra. We looked for that. We, we found zero evidence that there was ever a person with this name, much less an author. You know, there would have been some mention of this person somewhere else. Yeah he doesn't exist. So someone picked that name for a reason. No. You know.
2: So then yeah. the name is fake.
3: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. The name is
2: fake. Everything about this book is wow. fake.
3: About to... the title is fake. Yeah. <laughs> so so where do we go from
0: here? We've got this we've got this book deciphered. Uh we know a lot about its history. Um we've written a, a paper. We've published the paper we've you know given a presentation on it um where where does the research go from here what what questions do you still have unanswered
3: we want to figure out who did it we want to we want to write that paper and where we should start probably is by publishing the full text and doing a little bit more digging into the deviations and a little bit more digging into the who and the what where Of the eight years war in the printing industry and the dictionary industry and then hopefully in a couple of months we can start a new paper but we can publish the full text before that cool are you guys getting bored of it though (laughs) sometimes (laughs) (laughs) i do think that my latin has improved a lot and that I don't need to do it anymore, but no, we need to publish this thing. It's got to happen. You have to um, take it the final it, uh, yeah. mile. I, we I, have I, to do this. I mean, what is the use of stopping now? We've we put three years, nearly four, into this thing. We need, we need to get to the who and, and the why. I,
2: yeah. The reason I ask is because I don't know if you know about this. Thing, oh god!
3: I can't really see what that is, is that, unfortunately. This is
2: the this is the secret by Byron Price, and it's basically the reason that George and I met to begin with in person after meeting in in uh, on Reddit. And it's uh-huh. a puzzle book that was written in 1982. That's got pictures and and uh, poems, and you're supposed to put them together uh, to find locations of treasures all hidden around the United States. Anyway, long story short. Okay. I'm over it. I don't ever want to talk about it again. I can't even believe I brought (laughs) it up here. But, you know, after obsessing over this thing every day, every moment of every day for five years, I'm done. You know, like, I'm never going to solve it. What happened? I have just, I got, you know, you know what happened? As with anything, uh, things get political and weird. We created this decent-sized community, you know, like, we took it from you know just a, a a small group of niche people that were into it and it grew into this like you know twelve thousand, thirteen thousand people on our Facebook page and then all these different pa- it got political weird people eventually ruin everything uh and I will not get into the details of what specifically happened but we just we I, me and George decided to put it down and and uh, I hope that you guys don't do that and I um uh, we won't yes that's great yeah, yeah.
3: but we're not we're not 12,000 people. It's That's two true. of us and a couple of loosely associated Uh-oh. other people. There's
2: four of us now. Don't exclude. Yeah.
3: That uh, five. do Don't we, we can't skip over <laughs> Eric here. Eric is a little bit shy uh, for Spotlight, but he is a brilliant Latinist, a brilliant linguist, and he helped us identify the paste down in the cover in like that. Wow. And he didn't want to be a co-author, but I did of course, thank him in the acknowledgement. Wow, he didn't even want any part of the the fanfare, huh? I (laughs) asked and I asked again. No, the answer was no. And then uh, apparently
2: there's no way of getting in touch with Tony to find out what, I I know it's just a simple substitution cipher, so I, you know.
1: I can try. I I have his email address and he did email me back exactly once. Um, because we asked if we could publish our our modified key that was based on his key in our paper. And he said, yeah, that's cool. I mean, this probably took him like an afternoon. This guy is a genius code breaker. He's broken all kinds of way more complicated ciphers than this. Uh, and there were certain clues yeah. in the text as to what language the source was. Because every now and then there's uh, this word quad. It's a common word in Latin. And the author doesn't always encrypt it. So sometimes you'll just see the word quad um, it, as a clear text. So wh- if you knew the quad was a Latin word, then you would know, well, this text is probably Latin.
3: Yeah, there's, there's quad is the most pronounced, but there's occasionally the, the author forgets to encrypt something. And you're like, oh, yeah, okay, now I can read it. People there's that a... can
0: do that astound me. People that can create a key and decode something that's not in a language that they speak. I mean, I don't know if you speak German, but it's not in a language. I do.
3: That,
0: what it, what it, I guess what I mean is it's not in a <laughs> language that you know. Like you know, you're decrypting something in English. Like well, if you don't, if you don't know how the the words come together, like how do you make the key? It's it's just so there's, crazy.
3: There's quite uh, a lot of AI on that matter nowadays, and right. basically. It gives you uh, analysis of the characters that you ha- mm-hmm. happen to have, and the combinations of those will tell you which language it most likely is. So because it's like a all...
0: frequent, like a frequency analysis, but the frequencies exactly. are different in different languages. Correct. So it'll tell you it's more likely. Okay, I got you. I got you. Yeah. Nah. Yeah.
3: No, so so I think that is what Tony did. He looked through the pages. Damn. Like, okay, this is Latin, and then he knew it was a substitution cipher quickly, because uh, what you do see is the complexity of ciphers taking a massive nosedive after the 15th century. 15th century is very complex, very elaborate, very mathematical. 16th century, but Really? Probably also because of the unrest of the, the Reformation, of everything happening in every country all at once. Because we're also talking Henry VIII. We're also talking uh, France in turmoil, Spanish Inquisition, the the mess that was left by Pope Borgia. We're talking about all sorts of things happening all at once. We're talking about Suleiman the Magnificent and the Ottoman Empire. Everything happened very, very much. So I think that is why uh, the scholarly side of things became... Less complex, very cool in that time. People were busy
2: scrambling and running from, yeah, and they were fighting a lot, fighting,
3: burning books, torturing people, heavy wars. Yeah,
2: you just get busy with that stuff. I get it.
0: If you, I mean, if you're uneducated or unfamiliar with ciphers and you need to encipher a text, the easiest way to do it is a simple substitution.
3: But if you're uneducated, you do not use Latin. Yeah, that's
0: true that's true
3: that this is a very elite group of people we're talking about who could have done this wow
2: yeah and him the
0: education was not a given i i didn't mean educated like that i just meant if you're not familiar with ciphers if you if you don't use them in your every not your everyday life but if you don't if you're not if you're not a common user and you have to encipher something or you want to encipher something, the easiest way to go about doing that is a simple substitution. It requires no knowledge of, of ciphers before. So with all of these problems, all of a sudden people who wouldn't normally encipher something find themselves needing to, and that's yeah. just the easiest way for them to do it. I'll create a key of symbols, I'll encipher everything with the key, and boom, I'm done.
3: Yeah, this, that that makes sense, but... But yeah, do keep in mind this is a very small group of people in all of this happening that is able to even do this, what? because literacy was not uncommon. Granted, yeah, yeah, and especially education in Latin, education in another language, the person might not have even been a uh, native speaker of uh, Middle Dutch, might have been. German, might have been something else, might have been French, they probably also spoke French because there's one or two mistakes that are in French all of a sudden. So it's it's a small world in the world that we're talking wow. about. Wow.
2: Do you, do you think they stopped because they died or did they just get bored?
3: Uh, <laughs> I can't tell you who we suspect. <laughs> no, they, they probably not, but they might have had to leave. Okay. Because of what was happening. See what I'm doing here? <laughs> See what I did there? And you're not getting me. Damn it.
2: You're too <laughs> smart for me. I,
0: I think we're good on our questions. Is there anything that you guys feel we missed or glossed over that's important that that you want to get out? Or that you want to talk about?
1: So there is one one sort of weird thing that we haven't been able to figure it out is there's a title page with an encrypted phrase that doesn't seem to make any sense like it includes a character that's not found anywhere else in the text and the letters that we do know it doesn't like really form words cool there's nothing that we can recognize and so that's you know i i feel like if we could just figure out what that one phrase means we we would potentially have a pretty good clue but it's just kind of a jumble of letters in the 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 first
3: page, uh, and and the subtitle on the second page, yeah, were hard to read, and the first page does not make any sense at all. Even though I suspect that the seventy two is not encrypted, but is a year, right? I'm not certain on this, so I'm not going to say that it is. But I'm yeah. guessing it is fifteen seventy two. It doesn't. That's the
0: that's the one that stuck out at me because it doesn't super appear to be the same hand. Is it, is it possible that that, that was sort of just sort of gibberish that was added by the person that titled the, the book?
1: In yeah. Order... And we had wondered if, uh, because the, it has certain similarities with the title that's on the the next page, page two A, which we have mostly decrypted. Um, but it, not an exact match and some parts of it aren't really similar at all. Um but yes, the hand does appear different, but that could have just been because it was written in a hurry, the characters are not as well formed. Uh it's hard to say. But yeah, for now it's it's just gibberish and we're hoping to figure that out maybe in the future. Yeah, sure. and and we need to find the religious significance
3: of Christ is born of the Virgin Mary I test. Uh-huh. So the last phrase in the manuscript.
2: So those are, the, those are the couple of things you're you're working on that you're trying to finalize, right?
3: And the stamp is something we're still wondering about because if we look at the fashion history, stamp predates at least the paper by a couple of decades because of the the high forehead that was common until. Fifteen, ten, so the 15th century, half the 15th century to the beginning of the 16th, but definitely not in the frame, the time frame our paper was made. So the stamp is older than the paper. So we want to know, who is that? Where does it that, come
0: from? That's going to be so difficult for you because I've oh, seen yeah. people, I've seen people track down stamps before, but they were always, they were always uh, sort of special, different, or intricate, or something. Yours is so basic. Yeah, it, it looks like. I mean, you posted it next to a in your paper. You posted it next to a painting, and it could be the exact copy of that painting. And that painting, there's so many different variations of that painting. It's just a common mm-hmm. side view of a woman. Like, how do you uh-huh. track
3: that? Yeah, That's, it's going to be a hurt one. I I hope that by uh, traipsing around Europe a little bit, I might run into it again (laughs) at some point in a museum or in a collection. Mm -hmm. But if anybody would have a lead, that would be fantastic.
1: And the other thing that we've been working on um, without giving away too much of our current research is we've been working on handwriting analysis. Um, comparing the unencrypted letters in the text to uh, a possible suspect to see how similar that handwriting might have been. Um, and, you know, it's it's hard because handwriting isn't always an exact science, and it can be tough to conclusively uh-huh. prove, you know, this person was the author based on handwriting. But again, we're just kind of building up that evidence to uh, hopefully make a case. Yeah, and it- <laughs> you yeah. know. It looks
3: promising. Let's end uh-huh. it there. Cool.
2: So I'm I'm good. Brett, are you good? I'm I'm good. I'm can, blown can away. Are and... you
0: guys good? Yep. I think I feel like we have not impressed Rio. So it's just like this is <laughs> that wasn't our job today. <laughs> that's
3: my de- that's my default face. We weren't
2: ever gonna
0: <laughs> just have a pressing
3: bitch face. <laughs> <laughs> we were never
2: gonna impress these two. Just face it, George yeah Come no on, man.
3: not at you all
0: guys
1: impress I'm <laughs> me. I, I don't have a podcast
2: it's you not can have a podcast you can have this one
1: i can also yeah <laughs> can i also
3: plead the dutch here yes <laughs> we do, we aren't all that expressive that's okay <laughs> we think you speak in hyperbole all the time
0: we do i liked when i liked when brett brought out the secret the look on rion's face was like i just deciphered a 16th century text i don't care about your children it's
2: plan. from 1982 it's old we're a, we've only been around a couple hundred years come on we don't have huguenots f- here we don't have huguenots The video
3: was grainy i could not even see what it was it's it's a likely excuse No, <laughs> that's literally what happened i couldn't read what it was it's and a... then i had to think which the secret this was right it's not the because there's two yes and one about is <laughs> about manifesting things yes and I was it's wondering how that related to any fossils uh, believe me well
0: we're trying to manifest the author of this book for you yes
3: I. So, yeah I, I think he's pretty much in a hey <laughs> i think i know which church he is in
2: he he uh well it, it you know it's funny you say the other secret because I have tried to tell my friends about uh this this secret thing that I'm into the secret and they're like dude that the manifesting thing <laughs> yeah. of like making things happen what is up with it's you It's
3: quite subtle witchcraft Yeah
2: well they, <laughs> and then they think I'm going to sell them something
3: <laughs> Yeah like that makes sense it's girl boss like amway It's a girl boss book
2: Right like Amway. Yes. Um no I'm Lululemon leggings. Yes. Here you go. I'm because I'm totally into those. Um no, I'm I'm totally good.
3: I, I don't know. I can't see the, the, the screen console. <laughs> the can, yeah.
2: Let me show you. Yeah. All normal up here, but all woman downstairs.
3: Party Just saying, guys. party
2: downstairs, guys. In the Lululemon <laughs>